When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. PHLY Sixers post game show. And by everybody, you mean me, because I can't imagine anyone wants to talk all, about that Sixers game. Have oh, there we go. The You're right. I already stand corrected. I stand corrected. Derek Bonner joined by Kyle Newbeck <laughs> as we uh, talk about the Sixers' 124 to 114 loss to the New Orleans Pelicans, where they tried to turn around 42 minutes of indifference with six minutes of spirited play and found out that is tough to do. Hey, don't Kyle. Well, Derek, I have a little more spirit than I think the Sixers did for three and a half, roughly, quarters. Mm -hmm. That was, I mean, look, I'll admit, honesty hour, I saw Joel Embiid was a scratch due to an illness. And you get that just like, like, here we go again Mm -hmm. kind of feeling after watching them go to Minnesota and get their doors blown off. But there is the little bit of hope that you start with. You say, okay, that situation was you're coming off a back-to-back. You're against a very good team. This is not that scenario, right? You're on the road against what has up to this point been a very mediocre, middling Pelicans team. and They did get C.J. McCollum back, so they got a little shot there. They did, but you know they still have enough talent to potentially compete with these guys and win. And you're not at a real rest disadvantage. And then they showed up as if they had all been late scratched from this game. And it was not just Joel Embiid. And to me, this game was basically over at, what, the six-minute mark of this game? Is that too early? I don't know when we could have declared it over. but Yeah, I think they were, they were down by like 15 or so at that point. It didn't get a – I think it got within 10 once they were late in the fourth quarter when they made that 17-2 run. But it was pretty much – no doubt about it uh, from, yeah, about six or seven minutes into the game. Excuse me as I adjust my mic in the middle of the show so that I'm not <laughs> hunching over like a Quasimodo over here. I don't even know where to sort of like be the most annoyed with on the team because their defense was atrocious. And especially early on, Zion was attacking the rim. Kickouts galore. They had no real answer. Their offense was brutal. Like some of the passing decisions, especially by Tobias, and even Maxi there in the first half were awful. Nobody really made shots until the second half. Third course, sure, they turned around, but first half, they were brutal. I don't even know where I'm most annoyed. Where are you most annoyed? Well, I want to start with where I'm not annoyed. It's our guy Bernard already gave us a super chat early in the show. I mean, God bless Bernard for a few minutes into this shit show giving us a super chat. But he says, Charles Bassey, where are you? Kelly Oubre, please hurry back. Batum only plays well when Embiid is playing. Pathetic defense. Uh, I do want to note, because Bernard brought up his name, Nico Batum suffered or re-aggravated his injured finger that he jammed it on the rim, I believe, in an earlier game. I'm blanking on which one at this exact moment. I know it was a Ewan Rich game, so it was a home game for the Sixers. Well, it means they probably lost because they never win Rich in <laughs> studio. So... That was, you know, he didn't play especially well in the first half prior to that. And I believe it was early in the 
third quarter where he suffered that. So that honestly, to me, is like the only thing that really matters coming out of that game. But yeah, shot creation from Kelly will help. I don't know what Charles Bassey would have done in that no. game. He probably would have committed six fouls in ten minutes. But Bassey is still with the Spurs. He's yes. he's playing a backup role. Uh, he's a a fine backup big, which is the most expendable fungible uh, position in maybe all of sports. You wouldn't believe it watching this team for so long because they had so many old retreaded veterans. But that is, I'm not going to lose any. I'll lose some sleep over Isaiah Joe, but neither of them were helping the Sixers in this one. Um, don't know exactly what that was. <laughs> but it's it just, uh, look. And I, I think maybe the main takeaway, and what, what was Tyrese Maxey's stat line at the end? Ended up with 33 points on 25 shots, three assists, four turnovers. Uh, so it ended up looking a little more respectable. He was good there in the second half. But the first half, he was not. And that's the second time this year that the Sixers have played without Joel Embiid or Tyrese Maxey struggled. Um, that is probably your biggest sort of area of concern. I'm not going to say takeaway because he did have that strong second half. But if you're going to take anything from this game, that's probably the biggest one. But I think this is something that we said against the Wolves as well. When you remove Joel Embiid, who's a hashtag good basketball player, Everybody just looks a little more out of position, not even necessarily out of position. Just their role is too big for them and they aren't able to like, he is that one piece that makes everyone else fit. And boy, did that feel like that in this way? Like their defense was completely out of sorts. Now it was going to be out of sorts with Zion anyway. And yeah. Zion's rolling. And I sort of mean that almost literally sometimes he is tough to stop. And when he's tough to stop, he has developed a little bit as a passer. One of my bold predictions coming into the season was he would average more than six assists. He's not doing that. I think he's like somewhere around four and a half, but he certainly has the capability because of the rotations he can force, and the Sixers had no answer for that. Didn't help when, you know, this was a game. And again, they started Marcus Morris. I think a lot of times you would hear me ranting about Marcus Morris. I'm not necessarily going to do that because I didn't think anybody really played with any kind of spirit anyway. But Marcus Morris isn't offering any room protection, so you have to overcome that by overhelping. They were overhelping. This team just is not built to withstand. And it's weird because I, I wrote a column today, go to allphly.com, on how yeah, Max. Derek put the whammy on Maxi. <laughs> yes, so if I you want to blame anybody for the team immediately going off of a cliff in the Embiidless game, <laughs> it's all Derek's fault. But hashtag blame Bodner. Sure, that's fine. I'll take it. I've, I've been blamed for a lot of stuff over the years. It kind of comes with the uh, comes with the job a little bit. But in a lot of that, I was talking about how Maxi has been going, you know, between sort of like playing a facilitator role and a three-point bomber next to Joel Embiid, and he had like a, a nine-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio when the two are on the court, to being a real focal point of the offense and scoring, I think it was almost 40% of the team's points when he is off the floor. But brought up in there is the overall plus-minus was really, really good in the maxi minutes without Embiid. Plus 7.1 net rating with a, a good enough defense at a 50th percentile and an 89th percentile offense. But in both of these games that Embiid has missed, they have not been able to take what has worked for, you know, 15 minutes a game and extended that back out to 48. They just can't do it for 48. Okay, so I think we are burying the lead slightly. And I you did touch on this a little bit you mentioned you know the difficulties with scaling up and guys being thrust into bigger roles tobias harris was fucking miserable like that oh, yes. that was no and, and some of those turnovers that he had in that game were, he had two of them that were mirrors of them too like yeah. there's one in the second quarter one in the third quarter he was awful and we have ac phil in the chat sort of mentioning this i don't in any way mean to imply that Tobias struggled more than Maxi, or that Maxi struggled more than Tobias. It's just you have so much resting on Maxi that him not being able to sustain that is the bigger takeaway, not the bigger deal. Like the bigger problem in this game was by, by far Tobias. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't mean to. Um, yeah. So I think this game is kind of a microcosm of why they've had issues with Harris in real moments and real performances yeah. where you're counting on him to be a very important player of the team. And, you know, he shoots five for 10 from the field and that's mostly fine, but five turnovers, he only takes two threes the entire game, which that's just unacceptable. It's one thing for him to get a little bit lost in the shuffle when it's a Joel and Tyrese game and the ball swinging around the floor you have to come into this game knowing like the team needs you. They need volume. And so to take 10 shots and two threes base level 
unacceptable, was not really playing or playmaking for guys. Defensively is offering basically nothing. Like certainly didn't help their resistance against, you know, the Zions of the world. I just, that is, I've praised him at times for, yeah, he can scale up and he can be your number two guy in a pinch. And now he has he, not scaled up this year. He was okay in that Minnesota game at a good first half and then straight up disappeared. There was nothing good to me about this performance. And you know, if he's going to get all the, I feel like we've given him a decent amount of love on this show in writing written form this season for being like a really good third guy on a lot of nights and allowing the team to succeed in many ways. So to put in this kind of clunker of a performance is just, it's brutal and they needed more from him in this spot. Yeah, for sure. And again, if we might take something from this game about Maxi, it's just because we have been so high on him yes. pretty much every other show. And if you go again, go to allphly.com. I had a pretty much just a, like 2,500 words of glowing Maxi praise. Uh, so certainly I think we have been real high on him this season. Uh, and this was just one where you needed a better first half performance from him if you had any chance. But to your point, you needed a much better Tobias Harris performance for, uh, performance from Tobias Harris for the entire game, and he just did not show up at any point. The aggressiveness wasn't there. The indecision led to turnovers. You can't have multiple pick sixes when you're trying to overcome the loss of Joel Embiid. Everything about this game that they needed to do from the three-point shooting, and again, I know they made some in the second half, but they need some in the first half too. Taking care of the basketball, winning the hustle plays, playing smart, uh, being locked in defensively. They did none of that to overcome the loss of Joel Embiid. And again, I don't really care about that 17-2 run in garbage time. Like the Pelicans looked like they were pretty much done for the night. Uh, they woke up in enough time to save themselves from a catastrophe. They weren't the Golden State Warriors from a couple nights ago. But up until that point, this game was not even remotely competitive. And it was just, it was very frustrating to watch. Yeah, look. Kyle like, was asking for movie discussions halfway through. Listen, if you had seen like any good movies that I'm aware of in the last 15 years, I ran through a bunch that I either got asked about on Twitter or I've seen myself. And you were like, nope, haven't seen it. Nope, haven't seen it. Nope, haven't seen it. I think the only you one. You did that, bring like five up in the, a row. The only just, one that nope. came up that I think we had mutual mutually watched was apocalypse now and that's like three and a half hours long so that's a whole lot of uh by the way we did skip over we have a super chat another one from our guy ernest peterson thank you b-ball can only do so much he's a four is there a stretch five that can rim protect that they can get to pair with him also refs oof but pels outplayed i mean i think the idea that was Mobamba would be that guy right that well so, like, first of all, I, I actually don't agree. I think Paul Reed is a five in today's NBA. I agree. I think he fits better as a five, and I think he provides more defensive value, quite frankly, as a five, considering the way he can blow up screens defensively and, and cause havoc and get out to shooters and recover back to the rim. I think that is where he is best utilized. Mm -hmm. I also think the overall concept of a stretch five is something that we talk about a lot more than is actually available. Like, there might be three centers in the entire NBA who really like stretch Carl a four. is a stretch well, and he's playing right. four now. He's next to Gobert. But he could be, but not defensively, but offensively, sure. Uh, Porzingis, yes. Jokic stretches, even if shooting is maybe not his number one skill set offensively. Outside of that, the stretch five thing is overstated, I think. Um, and you're certainly not getting them for what the Sixers are going to pay for a backup center. So I think you have to kind of move on from that dream. What you end up is a guy like Mobamba, who's not really good defensively, and you don't really want him shooting all that often either. So what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. Like, yes, it'd be great if a guy could provide rim gravity that way, like as a roller and also step out. But if you can't shoot, I'm I'm okay with a guy who's a good roller. And Paul generally is a yeah. good roller, and he does the defensive things that a five needs to do. Yeah. So, like, I agree. This is a tough matchup for Paul and basically everyone they threw out there. It was a tough matchup for everyone. Like, yes. That was the other thing. Besides Zion's penetration, Valanciunas, whenever he posted up Morris or Bamba, like they had to send a double team there too, and the Sixers were just in rotation all night. All night. Yeah, so I, I just... <laughs> I don't know what personnel changes would have been made to make this a more palatable game. You know, Normally, you and I would probably walk in here and be like, God... Marcus Morris starting, whatever. To, to but be clear, like, I still don't like Marcus Morris starting. <laughs> it's just there's so much else wrong with this game. He might not even make the top five. 
Yeah, I just look, I, I'm just stuck on the Tobias Harris stuff, right? Because I think this is there are probably a lot of people. I know that broader sentiment for this team is like they've been fun and all that, but I think people are not going to trust them until they do something real in the playoffs and get out of the second round. And I think Tobias is probably the best possible example there where we've seen this specific thing from him before, right? Like he comes out of the gate to start a season. He's shooting well. He's playing aggressive. He's making, I know Doc's big thing, Derek, that you can also attest to was telling Tobias, he's got to be a quicker decision maker. Sure. That ball hits his hands. It's got to be a shot, a drive, whatever it is, a, a pass that it's got to come out of his hands quicker. And We've seen him start seasons well and then become essentially the Tobias Harris that we unfortunately know in the bigger That's moments. And always been my comeback to that. Whenever people talk about like the key for Tobias is making quick decisions, like Tobias will play well when he makes quick decisions. Yes, I agree, but Tobias will make quick decisions when he's playing well. My question has always been when he misses, you know, six threes in a row, the next game does he come out and hesitate? And usually more often than not, that's what he does. And today was just, it was everything. It was defensively. It was, you know, uh, quickness in his decisions. It was the quality of the decisions. It yeah. was everything. It was everything. All right. So let's talk about something that is a little more pleasant for the time being. I want to talk about our next partner, AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I've started drinking it literally every day and I gave AG1 a try because as Derek will tell you, I mean, he's seen me eating and drinking all kinds of terrible stuff in our studio because we work weird hours. Our diets tend to collapse during the season and I need something to replenish my vitamins to get me going in the morning. And since I started adding some AG1 to my morning routine, probably about three weeks to a month ago at this point. I feel a noticeable difference in my energy in the mornings, and I can tell you I am not a morning person, so every bit of energy certainly helps. I need to take some AG1 at night then. Listen, buddy, and I tend to struggle the most as a night owl in the morning, so AG1 has been super clutch in that regard. And AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. It helps you build your health foundation first, and when you take AG1 every day, you're starting a micro habit with macro benefits doing it in the simplest way possible. And at a cost of less than $3 a day, your body can't, can't afford not to have AG1. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash phly6ers. That's drinkag1.com slash P-H-L-Y Sixers. Check it out. Maybe not tonight before you go to sleep. If you don't do it then, certainly by tomorrow morning. Check it out for us. Also want to tell you about Hero Bread. Uh, I have long been on the lookout for a quality low-carb bread that allows me to hit my dietary needs while retaining all the flavor. Uh, I've recently made the transition to Hero as not only does it taste great, but they have a wide variety to choose from, from sliced bread, tortillas, burger, and hot dog buns, and more delivered directly to your door. Enjoy all the taste without the guilt. The bread is fluffy, delicious, and flavorful, high in fiber and low on net carbs, with fewer calories than the leading national brand and 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. And you can either place a one-off order or set up a subscription. So you can get Hero Bread delivered to your door every two months, or every two weeks, every month, or whatever you need to make sure you're stocked up and ready to go. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to Hero.co and use code PHLY to save... To save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. We do have a, a couple of questions. And it seems to happen every time Tobias has a bad game. But basically asking why they chose Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. And I don't want to get too deep into everything that went into that. But it was not a decision of Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. It like was they Ben had, Simmons over Jimmy well, Butler. Ben Simmons and a whole bunch of other stuff. But they had the bird rights to bring back both of them. There was no hard cap at that time. They could have done it. Tobias Harris, outside of Tobias staying and Jimmy leaving, they weren't interconnected in any way at all. Yeah, it was, I mean, kudos to Terrell Harris for getting Tobias that deal, obviously. like Father and game. agent of the year all in one fell swoop. But it was not a, it had nothing to do with, they could have paid both guys. It was, there were a lot of egos in that situation, some uncomfortable 
uncomfortability with Jimmy and Ben and trying to figure out who's going to run the offense, how they're going to run the offense. Certainly there was the Brett and Jimmy yep. dynamic. I don't think Brett was anti-Jimmy. I think Jimmy was not the biggest fan of Brett, certainly. And I think Jimmy would have came back, though. I think he probably. I think the bigger the the biggest concern of of, uh, was keeping Ben and Jimmy both happy long term. I think everyone was concerned about that. We don't need to relitigate this. Uh, There's been a lot said about this. Just wanted to clarify that their Tobias did not get in the way of that at all. Uh, We we can complain about the Tobias Harris contract. Tobias did get in the way of a whole lot of stuff tonight, but not in the way of Jimmy Butler. I guess we can talk about Tobias and you know how they needed more from him and him to step up. I guess my thing is if Joel Embiid's like how he plays next to Joel Embiid is so different than how he has been playing or how they needed him to play in this one, that the fact that he can't ramp up maybe the way that we want him to, if he continues to play like he has been alongside Joel Embiid, I'm still not going to take all that much from this because the way he has been playing, like I said, the way he's been attacking early, um, early offense and transition, playing off of Embiid, cutting a little more, I'm still generally speaking okay with the way Tobias has played and the fact that everyone struggled in this game, Tobias more than anyone, um, I'm still just, I'm not going to try to read too much in the games without Joel right now. Uh, This team may be less equipped to win these non-Joel games than they were in years past. This is one where I think maybe Harden uh, and his experience or maybe just having another competent ball handler and scorer to play with Maxi in the games without Embiid matter. Um, But I'm still pretty high on this team when Joel is in the lineup. So here's a question I want to ask you as we sit here. Yeah. That's a so two-part question. Do you trust that Joel is going to be healthy for the entirety of a playoff run? The entirety? That's a... The entirety of a playoff run. <laughs> no, why would I be confident in okay, that? Okay, so the answer is no. So are you confident that Tobias can be... The second best player no, on a team need, without Joel they, they need, to win a playoff. No, no, no. But they need they need an acquisition for the playoffs. I believe yes. that regardless of whether or not Tobias had a good game tonight or not. Like Tobias needs to be the fourth best offensive player going into the playoff run. That that is hundred percent fair. And if they don't make yeah. another uh acquisition of significance between now and the trade deadline, I will not be fully bought in on the team's chances. Yeah. I, I just like look what he has done and what he has given them this year has been good enough when they're at full strength and everything's working and Joel and Tyrese are carrying the team. But a game like this does highlight what the value is of getting maybe not another star, but at least another guy who's you know close to that tier. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be like ball-dominant, playmaking, guard-type guy who's going to run the offense and do all that. It does have to have to be someone that on a night that it doesn't have to be Joel being out entirely or injured. It could be, hey, Joel's really struggling or Tyrese is really struggling and somebody has to be that third option that then becomes a... I mean, the the Bucks have been a great example of this prior to this year where when they won the title, it was like, okay, Giannis is the guy. But sometimes because Giannis is not a shooter or Giannis misses a lot of free throws... Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday effectively have to be the one and two options. And that was their path to winning a title. Now, obviously, Giannis put them over the top with the, what was it, like a 50-point game yeah. or whatever it was in the the decisive game. But I don't, I think I probably speak for both of us and the entire fan base when I say I simply do not believe that Tobias is good enough to be that guy. If he's the fourth guy, when we get to April, May, and June, I would feel pretty good about that. If he's the third guy and all they do is get like a, even if they were to get a very good player, like a Alex Caruso, a guy who's come up a lot and they were able to get a backup bench guard, whatever it is. I just don't think that you win in the playoffs with the depth. You win with top end talent and good depth. Certainly you don't want to have three guys and a bunch of stiffs out there for sure. But I just, I think this kind of a performance like this and the other game they had without Embiid, recently lays bare kind of the what needs to be done between now and February when the trade deadline hits. Sure. But I think I'm not sure we necessarily needed this game. I think we've been yeah, on that page. It's just, from it kind of drives it home. Sure. That's all. Sure. Uh, no, they definitely need one more perimeter creator and you're probably not going to get one. Um, or you, 
tough to get one better than like Maxi. I think Maxi is going to be your primary permanent creator unless something really strange happens. Uh, but you definitely need another one for sure. hundred <sighs> percent. Who, who do, uh, who, who else do we want to talk about tonight? That sucked. I mean, who's next on the hit list? They really outside, outside of Maxi down the stretch, they all pretty much sucked. Like the, the turnovers are really the ones that just completely frustrated the shit out of me. Like Covington had some good stretches. He was fine. Melton, when he wasn't turning the ball over, had some stretches where he was fine. Uh, those, along with Maxi, would probably be like the ones that annoyed me the least. KJ at least had some athletic plays, but even he had a couple of pretty bad turnovers. Paul Reed was decent at times. Robert um, Covington, 4-4 four four from yeah, three. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to do silver linings playbook tonight, we could say the bench scored pretty effectively. I mean, you got, let's see. Six from Bamba, 11 from Beverly, 12 from Cov, nine from Reed, four from KJ Martin, and every single one of those guys, Sands Bamba, was better than 50% from the field. Paul Reed, three of four, KJ Martin, two of four, Robert Covington, four of five, Beverly, three of four. So they scored fine, I mean, which you, is that's on a lot of nights, those guys are contributing what, like yeah, six yeah. points t- total, and it's the starters carrying them well, offensively? You're, you're also bearing a lead here. Korkmaz was a plus six in two minutes. If he plays the entire 48, <laughs> they win that game by 144. Got to pop the cork sooner, Nick. You'll learn one day, I promise. Yeah, I, look, I don't... What do you do? Like, I know that Nurse has been hesitant to get Paul Reed out of his backup center role. And that's led to some, you know... Some Bomba minutes that's led to Marcus Moore starting. Do you think that's the right call? Like, would they have been better off trying to have Paul start in this one? So I don't like the philosophy from Nurse on this, especially because if, if and they have said this, Nurse has said this himself. He looks at Reed as one of the like guaranteed rotation guys, right? Yep. And if that's the case, when you lose the 35, 36 minutes of Joel. I would rather see Paul play those minutes and get those reps and get that playing time because, you know, as much as he's progressed, he's gotten better as a roller. He's better as a finisher. He's not quite as foul happy as he used to be, depending on the matchup or the night, I suppose. But I would love to see Paul just get more chances and you let him figure some things out because he doesn't get tons of opportunities to play 30 plus minutes on a given night. I mean, he still ends up playing 26 and a half tonight and they came out in that same starting lineup in the second half and I think it took all of 90 seconds for Nurse to be like fuck this bring in b-ball <laughs> so I I just think get let Paul play like I, I know he's goofy and how he goes about things in some ways and you do run the risk of foul trouble but he's by far the best defensive option you have at yes. center he had some nice passes in this game. He had a, a nice finish or two inside. Um, he is, it's not even close on who's the most valuable of your backup centers. And I think AC Phil in the chat brings up a good point. Uh, he says that if Embiid was out for three weeks, uh, B-Well Paul is probably starting, but if it's a game, it's probably Morris. That's probably correct. I would think that if it was a longer term thing, Nick would, you know, thrust him into the starting role and then bring him back when Joel eventually does come back. But since it's only a game, he doesn't want to change his rhythm, change his flow. I think that's probably selling B-Ball Paul short. I think he can probably step in, start a game, go back to his role, and probably not be any worse for it. Uh, I think he's maybe being a little bit overly cautious. But this is something we've seen. I mean, Doc did it as well. They just like to keep B-Ball in that backup center role. It's not entirely new. I just And that's not unique to those two either. Like a lot of coaches go that way. I just – I don't love – that approach to me put the best players that you have on the floor best players for the job and the task at hand and you know as much as you worry about paul and foul trouble i mean what's marcus morris going to do against valanchunas right he's going to foul him because the guy is taller than him bigger than him stronger than him he's got no option there but the foul so and that's not a marcus morris criticism that's like a it'd be like asking me to defend like six foot eight guy who outweighs me by 50 pounds. Like what am I supposed to do in that scenario? No, the only thing Marcus Morris can do, and you brought it up pretty early in the game when we thought this might still be competitive. He's, he's got to bomb away. He's got to try to make him pay on the other side. Uh, he can't do anything defensively. We have Brian Knight in the chat saying, should they trade for a backup five at the deadline? No, I don't think, 
I don't think Daryl's going to spend resources on a backup five. That's never going to play when Joel Embiid's healthy. Um, if they can pick one up off of the waiver wire, sure, maybe. But outside of that, no. Yeah. I'd, so, look, I, I get why Nick is doing it. I disagree with it. We'll see if this Marcus Morris fascination ends at some point. I didn't think he was... I'd say this is like a middle-of-the-road game yeah. from him for the most part. I mean, he missed shots or missed threes anyway. But I did think his activity was probably better than in recent games. Now, fat lot of good that did because most of the team was just kind of lost at sea from the opening tip onward. But there are other nights where I was like, what the hell is Marcus Morris no. doing on the floor? I would say this is this does not qualify. I think he was mostly fine uh, in, the scenario, in, in the circumstances anyway. The only problem with Morris in this one is that because of his, his limitations, they had to send help from the perimeter down. Uh, he didn't really necessarily do anything wrong. He just wasn't in a position where he could succeed. I think the Pelicans knew it. I think the Sixers knew it, and that changed the game plan. Well, you know who puts us in a position to succeed every time we use their app, Derek? That's the good folks at Game Time who know that buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for good reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. It's just two taps and you're set. And tickets get sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email in order to find those tickets. The game time guarantee also means you always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference, which is incredible. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. You download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So I think we've both been pretty complimentary of Nick Nurse so far. I think he's an upgrade at coach. Thought that coming in, and he's exceeded our expectations, so I want to make that clear before I make my next joke. Doc Rivers wins this game. Oh, so I was thinking that at some point. And I have no idea why. It doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but the old joke that Doc Rivers coaching a 10 seed beats Doc Rivers coaching a 2 seed is 100% true. No idea why. He turns. <laughs> it, the weird thing is he turns into... Nick Nurse. Yeah. When he's got the shorthanded roster, he's he's throwing weird lineups out on the floor, and it's like, oh my God, Shake Milton just scored twenty points, and, and then he gets Embiid back, and he's completely conservative, traditional, and boring. No, I Don't had another doc thought that I've been stewing on for a little bit. You think maybe he deserves a little more credit for how James looked last season, given how shitty James looks in L.A. I don't like know all about the, all the James pushback about how he wanted to play and he's the system and Doc had the, the leash on him. It's like, bro, you're playing essentially how I think you want in L.A. And yeah, it's yeah. a fucking disaster. No, no, no. I mean, look, we we <laughs> yeah, I mean, we both said that the way that that um, Harden was playing last year was probably the way he should play and that giving him any more responsibility was a mistake. That's certainly borne out to be true here. With the Clippers, I don't necessarily want to give Doc too much credit on this one. I think father time is coming at James pretty hard and pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, when you start looking at his numbers around the rim, that is real tough to overcome for a player that plays the style that he does and that needs to draw fouls at the rate that he does. And then you start looking into the legs and being able to get the step backs and all that stuff. I think he's just in a losing battle. So I don't necessarily want to give Doc credit for that. Uh, but certainly James is playing a much worse brand of basketball right now. That's fair. It's... Uh... <laughs> It's hard to believe we're talking about giving Doc Rivers credit on a podcast in 2023, no. but there are only there are very few examples where it makes <laughs> sense to. And the Sixers certainly won a bunch of these last yeah, year. They yeah, didn't yeah. win all of them, no, they for didn't. sure. They didn't. But they historically, and not just the Sixers, other teams under Doc's stewardship, I were really, able to win a lot of these types yeah, of games. Yeah, I really just want to make a joke about Doc winning inexplicable games because we have a podcast to fill, and that was an awful game to talk about. <laughs> so... Uh, what else you got, Derek, from that game? Anything? I mean, DeAnthony hit four threes, but then was one of – is that right? He's four of ten. And one Oh, yeah, he didn't of, make shit inside. Yeah, one yeah, of yeah. four from yep. inside the arc. He had – I know DeAnthony is always a car crash at the rim, but he had one tonight where 
I think he was clear of the defender by about eight feet when he started the fast break. Now, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but they closed the gap pretty quickly, and then he just absolutely smoked the layup. It really is insane. How D'Anthony Melton would be like a top 50 player if he can make layups. And that, that maybe overstates his like defensive impact, which I think it's overrated at times. At times, yeah. But a, a guy who shoots like high 30s, low 40s from three, who could also make layups because he gets himself to the rim quite a bit, be a hell of a ball player. Unfortunately, that's uh doesn't look like it's in the cards in this lifetime, Derek. Yeah. And AC fellow asked whether or not his field goal percentage at the rim is still lower than his three point percentage. I think I looked this up last game, so I don't know if it changed coming actually after tonight's game, it probably is, but coming into tonight's game, he had crept above um, with his, his field goal percentage, but it was close. It was like 43% to 40%. It was real close. I'll try to look that up. I well, think he cleaning... was 40% from three tonight. And no, I think after today's game, he might be. Uh, I maybe think, 25% from the rim. I think cleaning the glass middies. updates that um, pretty much in real time. So I will try to check this here as you give us do some do more do of your great do insights do into do uh, tonight's do game. Do the final Jeopardy I don't know. Come music on. for that. Making me nervous here. I can't do I feel this. like we didn't get too deep into Tyrese because we were scorching Tobias to an extent. I, I at least liked from him if we're going to try to – provide some sunshine and rainbows to the people that he got 10 threes up. Now I made three of those and, oh, and that in itself was a problem. 40.9% at the rim, 40.8%. Oh my three. God. What a, what a battle. What a <laughs> battle. Really is. But I like the shot volume from Tyrese. The turnovers early were a disaster. He didn't really play make for anybody until the end of the game. So I thought he you know, as much as I've complained about, hey, he's not doing this in the first quarter, not looking to score, not looking to do this while he's trying to set everybody else up, he went the other way tonight where he was aggressive, and I liked that part of it, but then lost complete sight of the job he had to get guys easier shots mm -hmm. because when Joel's on the floor and he's getting doubled, people are getting open looks. Yeah. Without him, Maxie's got a much tougher task as a passer, didn't live up to it tonight. Yeah, and he came into the game, uh, his assist per 100 possessions, he was at like 9 per 100 with Joel and about 7 with uh, without Joel. So it's actually still a pretty good rate. Like you would think with how many of his, his assists come off of you know the pocket pass or how many assists just come from how much attention that two-man game generates and he can then kick it out. The 7 assists per 100 is actually a pretty good rate. Where it's really jumped is his turnovers. Well, tonight you saw both. You saw the turnovers jump, uh, and some of those were pretty frustrating where he'd get into the teeth of the defense. They'd sort of collapse on him, and he didn't look like he had a real game plan to get out of there. But also, there just wasn't any real creation for others. And this was a night where, especially in the second half, I forget what the first half shooting numbers were. I think they were pretty dismal. But in the second half, the team made shots, um, and he was not creating the kind of opportunities that he normally does. I think that's 100% fair. Yeah, and look, we talked about the the partnership a day prior, right? That was yeah. the, the big theme of our show. And you can see how much of that comes down to Joel Embiid just drawing all kinds of attention. And look, I'm not taking any credit away from Tyrese for taking advantage of that, but there is a big difference between, you mm -hmm. know, essentially what James Harden could do, which is yes. be the center of the solar system and everything revolves around him, and what Tyrese Maxey can do, which is clearly went out tonight and had a pretty good night score in the basketball, despite the fact that he didn't shoot as well as he would have liked from three still gets a relatively efficient 30 plus point night. That's, that's nothing to sneeze at, but the task for him as the number two and now the number one option tonight is to do that and to lift up everybody else. Yeah. Like that's the final level of like true stardom. I think Tyrese is certainly at the point where we can call him rising star, potential all-star this season but not quite at that level where he can do both on his own. And that's okay. Like that's, he's 23 years old. So he's still got plenty of time to get to that point. No, look, I think with the way he bounced back in the second half, I was encouraged with that as a score because it looked like he was getting frustrated at times on some of those drives to the rim. Maybe thought he should have gotten a foul or two, had some struggles, came back and was still aggressive. And I think there was a lot of talk after that Minnesota games of, oh, he's not aggressive enough. He doesn't have that killer instinct, yada, yada, yada. I thought a lot of that was pretty silly. So I like the way he came out in the second half. And look, was some of that in garbage time when they had no chance of really finishing off that 17-2 run? Yeah, you can't, you can't come all the way back from 25 down very often. 
Uh, again, it did happen the other night uh, with the Warriors, but it doesn't happen very often for a reason because you have to do everything pretty much perfect. And if you could do everything pretty much perfect, you wouldn't be down 25 in the first place. <laughs> but I think it got up to like 29 at some yeah, point. Yeah, it, right? it was more than 25. Was... I was being conservative because I didn't know the exact number. Yeah. That being said, I like the aggressiveness, but I do think you're right in that the playmaking is a lot tougher for Tyrese without Joel. And that was one of the things I really wrote about in my column today. Uh, again, over at allphly.com where Tyrese is not a natural setup man yet. Like he's not going to be throwing the, you know, bounce passes, the rolling big men like he's Chris Paul. That's just not who he is. It's going to take time for him to get even to being an approximation of that. What he has learned to do is leverage sort of like his own um, skill sets, you know, his deep range, his speed, along with Embiid's gravity and attention to create shots for his teammates. And he's on that at a pretty high level. Uh, so I think losing Embiid, you can certainly see that that gets a lot, lot tougher uh, for Tyrese. And some of this might just be a bad night. It's only been two games without Joel. Like I said, when he has been in the lineups in games where Joel's played, but in lineups without Embiid, he has done pretty well running the offense, I think. So I don't want to read too much into two games, yeah. especially when one of them was against best defense in the league and Tyrese looked tired in that Minnesota game. But you would have liked to see him maybe find a little more of a balance in creating for his teammates. I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah. And look, some people in the chat are rightfully pointing out that. Some of the problem tonight is also that the Pelicans could throw two guys at the ball at Tyrese and wall him off. And then it's like, well, yep. he's going to throw it to Patrick Beverly or DeAnthony Melton or Tobias Harris and all kinds of guys who I don't really trust and didn't earn any trust tonight with their decision making on ball as passers, as ball handlers. Like that's an issue when teams know they can sell out to beat one guy that's a problem. And so that's, it's not all on Tyrese. Some of this is a reflection of the roster of the team that they had yep. available without Joel. I mean, it's built to be around Joel. Joel is the center of the universe. Tyrese is the, the co-star, the sidekick, the, the capable number two. And we want him to do all these things. We have to be realistic. It's also like, look, they're throwing Herb Jones at him tonight. Who's a big wing sized player. And as we've said in the past, I think you've seen Tyrese struggle with length at times. Like that's a, yep. a real problem he's going to have to deal with in the playoffs. And Especially I, when you can get away trapping him and there's no one else that's going to beat, you know, yes. even if they get a, an advantage, you don't trust them to actually do anything with it. Uh, yeah. Like this is not a, and this is one where Batum maybe leaving might've hurt. Cause at least he can, you know, if he's open attack and make a decision off the dribble, you really don't have many guys outside of that. Yeah. And that's where you needed more from Tobias, too. It would have made Tyrese's job a heck of a lot easier if you could trust Tobias to do much of anything tonight. Yeah, so I don't want to be too critical of him, given that he is one of the only guys who had a performance of note in some way. It was a down night by his standards, but this is, I think this fits firmly in the growing pains section that we've talked about that Nick Nurse has brought up repeatedly when you can go through growing pains and still get 30 plus when the team is selling out to stop you, I think that's pretty damn good. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what he looks like on Friday against Boston, assuming that Joel plays, which, I mean, I guess we don't really know yep. at this point. We'll see what Nick has to the, say about that. In the the more interesting since. thing might be whether or not Kelly plays, uh, because or Batum for that yeah. matter, but you know, going back to it, uh, yesterday at practice, um, they mentioned that Kelly's going on the trip. He did mention he was going to play against the Pelicans, but he wouldn't rule out a possibility that Ubre might play on Friday against the Celtics. We don't really know outside of that. Like we haven't gotten an update on that. Obviously, given the fact that you're watching Kyle and I in the studio, we were not in New Orleans tonight. Although it might be a very different pod if we were. You know, you mentioned everyone coming out <laughs> flat. Like if Kyle and I were spending our one night a year in New Orleans, we might not have had the best podcast, the best show available for you because I'd be New in Orleans some beignets, yeah. I'd yeah. be in the French Quarter, maybe head down Bourbon Street. You know, I don't know. But we'll see whether or but not. But we're also not the ones getting paid millions of dollars to go perform on television. So I don't know. That's I can afford to eat a beignet and have a few hurricanes on Bourbon <laughs> Street and then still show up and put on an adequate performance for the people. Hell, I even well, that's I did great. a recap before the show, too, a written recap for all PHLY. I'm still showing up and producing. Why can't they? That's also the great thing about getting Devon back. <laughs> Devon can be the responsible one, and you and I can go uh, enjoy oh, Bourbon right, we're Street. We're teasing Devon yeah. now. Oh, that's... Might happen someday. We'll see. Who the knows? people have been asking, and yeah. I keep saying soon, but I promise it's even sooner than the last time I said soon. We'll put it. But not way. as soon as 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 one you hinted to earlier this week. It's still very soon. <laughs> no, look, it, it's it's. I think 
the way Tyrese, how Tyrese might have played now versus how he might play in four years would be like a fascinating because I, I think so much of being a short guard is not only developing your skills but learning, learning all the tricks of the trade. Uh, part of that comes down to dealing with Link. Part of that comes down to having to change roles. I think he's done an incredibly admirable job, um, but they do need him to, at 23, solve a lot of riddles that very few 23-year-olds do. Uh, and he is, again, picking things up at a, a incredible rate. Um, I was I was encouraged by the way he came back, but uh, I mean, quite honestly, they probably weren't. With the way the Pelicans were shooting to start this, and without having a bead, they probably weren't winning this game regardless. Yeah. I got one more thought after you talk about our final uh, friend sure. of the show that is connected to that point you just made. I'll tell you about FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms, and with it being football and tailgating season, means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, and bags, everything you need for a game FOCO has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up, provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use a promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Hey, he remembered the new promo code. Look, Way to go, buddy. I'm not even going to say anything. Go ahead. Listen, you've read nope. the original one so many times that, that I understand honestly, it what it was. When I, when I missed that promo code, I had it written down. I just read it off memory. And yeah, that's, look, I don't blame you for It that. is P-H-L-Y-10 for 10% off. Shout out to FOCO. Uh, I, you brought up the, the small guard learning process, right? And it made me think of... Dame, when you think of the tricks of the trade, I mean, he's sure. gone from now his progression was a bit quicker as a free throw guy, but he's now a nine plus free throw yep. per game player when he started as, you know, like three, four, five, his first few seasons and notably came to the league older than Tyrese. So he'd been honing his craft in college for quite a while. And so that's, you know, we've, made a lot of comparisons to guys like Steph and Dame. I know Derek is pulling stuff up that he wrote about today at allphly.com. But that's to your point. Like you, you tweeted out a table earlier today of the article, and that's a key point. Like Steph, that's that fourth season of Steph where he was averaging 22.9 and 6.9 assists. He was 24. Dame at, at his fourth season, the last year of his rookie deal, was 25. Tyrese is very, very young. Yes. Very young. Yeah. So he's got more of a runway to get to that level in – all the ways, right? Like we've seen the playmaking come forward, but can't do it as much in isolation as you can with Joel. That's fine. Certainly the scoring and the shooting are there and the comparables are there, which is, it's still crazy to say like, oh my God, this guy can shoot like Redick and Curry and Dame yeah. and all these guys who are luminaries as shooters, not comparable in a lot of other ways, but certainly as shooters. And there's still so much room for him to grow as a, a guy who generates contact and gets to the free throw line more often or the defensive work that he can do. Like I still believe in him improving there. I know he's, he's had a lot of ups and downs already this mm -hmm. season. It was not his best game tonight. I thought he had some off ball awareness issues that were a little problematic in this game. Maybe it was just, you know, Probably symptomatic of the whole team's performance. No, but I think generally floor. speaking, when I get frustrated with Maxi, it's not the one-on-one. -on -one. It's not even getting through screens, and he's clearly not good at getting through screens. It's the off-ball stuff. It's the communication. That's where he really needs to improve. That's probably the area where you can project the improvement the easiest because I yeah. feel like he's overall a smart basketball player who picks things up on offense. I mean, his turnover is historically low, but the defense and the decision-making and the communication can definitely be a struggle, and it was tonight. And the draft people who scouted him back to high school were all pretty bullish on him as a defender because he had been a high-motor, high-effort yep. type guy at lower levels. I do think he wants to get better there. That's yeah. going to be... The commitment, I don't question. Yeah, so sure. I think that'll be an important part of the equation. It always is. Like The want-to factor to me is... I don't know if it's half of defense, but it's a significant percentage of it. Like just having guys that are bought in and wanted to, and it's not just, you know, when they have a guy in front of them, they're like, I want to stop this guy. It's wanting to make the extra rotation. It's keeping your head up and not trying to take a breather as you're powering the offense. Like those are all really important things. And that also ties into, you know, Tyrese again played what, like 38 minutes tonight. Yeah. 
Too I many. just, I, to me, like, I know they made that fake comeback and it was, oh, that's, that's really nice. They cut it to 10 and ends up being a, a 10 point loss. I would have rather they lost by 30 and Tyrese only plays like 30 or less minutes tonight. I think I saw, I forget who this was from. So I apologize. You're probably not listening anyway. I forget. Uh, who it was, but somebody mentioned that he was playing on pace, play the most minutes since Jimmy Butler in like 2014. It was, I'm going to, because I quote tweeted earlier, I will tell there you exactly who it was. It was uh, Christian Narso. Okay. Yeah, it's too many. And part of that, I think, comes down to the fact that Nick always plays his good players too many minutes. He's certainly did that a lot in Toronto. He's done that so far here. Part of it comes back to Tyrese is young, and they probably think he could take it. And part of it is the fact that they have 1.5 people who can dribble and really none other than Embiid and Maxi who can pass. So, he doesn't feel comfortable not having him out there, which I get. They uh, they need more help for sure. Yeah. So, look, that's no need for doom and gloom for the whole season because of one game in late November. It's no. Again, it if, is what it is. If I sound doom and gloom today, go read the article I published this morning because I think that was, like I said, pretty much twenty five hundred words of just holy crap. How how did you phrase it? Tyrese Maxey is great in pie charts. Oh, I said like Maxey yeah, better, yeah, yeah. but with pie charts. Right. So it's pretty much a whole bunch of that. So we do have to, in the industry that we are and doing a show five days a week, like there's going to be up and downs. Some shows you're going to have to focus on the game at hand and this one. And again, I think Maxey on balance was pretty good, especially in the second half. But if you want a more optimistic take on Maxey and everything he's done, that's been incredible. Certainly uh, go check that out. All right, I think that's about all I have from from that game. So unless you got something pressing that we want to get to, I, I feel like we should maybe save some for tomorrow since God knows we got to get through a show tomorrow. We Derek, do. As a, uh, we do. After it's, that disastrous performance from the Sixers. So. Well, I'm guessing we're probably not going to spend a whole lot of it talking about that game because, frank, quite frankly, I'm not sure I can do another show like that. We've got to find something optimistic to talk about. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe we'll talk we'll about it. how excited we are for Devon to join the show I for am excited 45 for minutes. I'm definitely going to make you put on a goofy hat tomorrow <laughs> and do a stock report. Uh, on our way out of here, everybody, just want to say thank you, as always, for coming with us on a late-night journey. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel. If you hit the bell icon, you'll get notifications every time we go live, every time the rest of our wonderful colleagues go live. And a thumbs up on the video would certainly help us out with YouTube a great deal. And thank you very much to all my wonderful friends in the chat from AC Phila to Money Mar to Yams, Walter, Money Mar, Two Minute Warning, Brian, Ramich. I'm still scrolling. Ernest, Ash, DDR. Patrick, all you guys, I love you for being here each and every day with us. And Derek, I will uh, see you in less than 24 hours, which is such a terrible thought. He's doing every ad read for like three months straight. Every <laughs> freaking one. Thanks, Kyle. See you. See you guys.